I walk miles inside this pit of danger. Take take the pain away. Take the fire slowly takes the pain away. All right, all right, Scott. I I'm at a loss here, man. I I can't believe that we lost. Uh, I I don't know what to say. Man. I mean, I mean, if you hadn't picked Oscar, I think we probably would have been okay. Well, well, yeah, but. And who was it that said Miz would win the Battle Royal? All right, all right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But I mean, come on, like we 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 knew that the Street Profits were going were going through, and obviously we were right on that one. No one was going to beat Roman Reigns, but I mean, you fought pretty hard for some things that like got us on the on the losing side of things. And I, I don't like losing, Scott. I don't, I don't like losing. I don't. I'm not yeah, a well, big... well, well, it was. I think it was somebody weird like blinding love for Sami Zayn that kind of cost us as well you know I I disagree with you sir there is plenty of reason if retribution wasn't allergic to fucking being on pay-per-view maybe we would have had a run-in and had a chance I don't know but you know what you know what you know what fucking let's let's stop let's stop the bickering because I think both of us have a pretty decent idea of whose fault this really was I think I know whose fault this was too all right, fine, fine, fine. On three, we'll say who we both know whose fault this was, okay? Okay. One, two, two. three. Fucking Nathan. Fucking Nathan. Accusé d'un vol qu'ils n'ont pas commis, n'ayant aucun moyen d'en faire la preuve, ils fuient sans cesse devant leur poursuivre. Pour subsister, ils emploient leurs compétences. Quand la loi ne peut plus rien pour vous, il vous reste un recours, un seul, l'agence Tourisque. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's correct. It is time for another grapple update here on the Rogue Opinions podcast. Um, and uh, well, it wasn't easy for us over here at a uh, at Castle Rogue Opinions. Survivor Series 2020 was not kind to us or our hopes and our dreams. It really wasn't kind to our time either. I don't know, but before I fall too far down this pit of sorrow by myself, I've decided to. Uh, Make sure to drag somebody down, kicking and screaming with me. I am Jimmy Baxter. I am here with Scott McLeod. Scott, how are you holding up, buddy? There's not enough cider in the world to coil this disappointment that I feel. Uh, you know, Nathan's not here with us. He knows what he did. He knows exactly what he's done. Hmm. Just pour. Let's pour one out for our, our compadre who's quietly sitting in the corner. Uh, he's here, ladies and gentlemen. He's not not on the podcast. He's just not allowed to speak or interact. So just know that. Know that. But as I said, we're here to cover uh, WWE Survivor Series 2020, uh, where 
Uh, I guess peaks and valleys would be the way to sort of describe what happened on this show. It was, you know, I mean, not just in terms of um, uh, our predictions contest with um, fucking undisputed wrestling podcast. Oh, right. Those guys. Um, I mean, congratulations, y'all. Um, you did it, I guess. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad you guys got a, a celebrate this victory and try and, uh, you know, make out that my quiz win, you know, was, was no big deal, you know, and forgetting that Nathan's won a quiz over in your show as well, but, you know, but we'll let you have, you know, this victory. I mean, I will, well, I will say, but the verities, it started out incredibly well and then fell into a pit and then another one and then another. And then another, and another, and another. Um, well, uh, I mean, I didn't watch the. Uh, well, we're gonna just dive right into it. Uh, we're going right into the uh, the Thunderdome, rolling up in our uh, cars that run on human blood or whatever that movie was about. Um, <laughs> and uh, in the uh, the pre show battle royal, the Miz won by last limb, eliminating Big Dom Dominic Mysterio by doing the uh, the thing that he he always does, sort of in these battle royal situations where he slides out waits until the person thinks that they've won and then slides back in and seals the victory blah 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 um did you happen to watch the uh pre-show battle royal at all and have feelings or thoughts or cares i mean i, I, mean, I was happy because well the undisputed guy said daniel bryan and he wasn't even in it so i thought oh good we got an early advantage you know i, I gave myself that false sense of security and we're kind of lucky because like for a brief moment you know we also we were thinking about Big E because I think a lot of people talked about Big E because well he wasn't a part of the team SmackDown for the men's match and I said looking at how that went worked for SmackDown I'm pretty sure Big E's glad that he wasn't. Uh, but yeah, I mean I think with Miz my thought behind this is like it's very similar to when Ziggler and Rude won a similar battle royal last year and that yeah they're a big enough name where they probably should have won this battle royal but really. Like, it's not going to hurt them in any way, given the fact they're probably not going to mention this part royal ever again. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it referred to uh, during the day to day by other people as like a really um, like a lot of things happened on a show that really didn't matter. Mm. Overall, like nothing that took place on this show is going to be followed up tonight as we record this on Raw or Friday on Smackdown or for the foreseeable future until we get to Royal Rumble. Um, and of course, as you know, uh, because we lost, um, we will be reviewing King of the Ring 95 with three fucking Savio Vega matches. <laughs> the, I mean, I kind of have a weird love of, of Mabel because of how shit he is. You know, this is his, his crowning moment, quite literally, uh, for Big Viz. And, you know, I'm, uh, part of me is kind of looking forward to it, you know, I mean. I, I said to you guys privately, I mean, I've been through heroes of wrestling. Once you've been through that, you can get through pretty much anything. And I mean, like, I mean, that's true. And I just fear that maybe some of the punishments you've been through have maybe uh, changed your perception a little bit. So hopefully it isn't as bad as we're uh, thinking it will be. And you'll be able to catch that sooner rather than later on the channel. Uh, you'll, you know, just pay attention to our socials, rogue underscore opinion, Ben underscore EBRT. Um, and you know, you, you'll find out about it when we do it. Uh, so congratulations, boys. Um, we will get you. We will get you. Uh, our vengeance will be swift. 
and cold like gazpacho, but it won't be tasty. <laughs> um, so anyway, moving on from that, uh, Miz won the Battle Royal, blah, 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 blah. Main show, we start off with the men's five-on-five Survivor Series elimination match where Team Raw, uh, AJ Styles, Braun Strowman, Keith Lee, Riddle, and Sheamus with Almost, I think his name is Almost? I, I'm not sure. Just a giant, giant man. Uh, took on Team SmackDown, and um, they completely swept Team SmackDown, uh, which was Jey Uso, Kevin Owens, King Corbin, Otis, and Seth Rollins in about 19 and a half minutes. Um, I don't know about you, Scott, but I fucking hated this match. I thought it was really lame. Um, after the second uh, elimination where it was like, person on Team SmackDown gets a really valiant sort of uh, display and they're they're running through and then all oh, boom they get hit by a finisher and eliminated i was like oh so that's the way all of this is gonna be cool and it immediately took me out of it um but of course uh seth rollins was the first one eliminated when he just sort of took a knee and took a brogue kick right to the face for quote the greater good we'll have to see what that's what that means in like three months when he comes back from you know taking care of his child um, but what did you think of the men's Survivor Series match here to open up uh, Survivor Series 2020? I, I like parts of it, you know, like especially the first part where, like, you had the bit with Seamus and Rollins, and it's about the, like, the second or third elimination where, like, you had the convoluted setup of, uh, of Otis being in position for the power slam, and then Owens being one of the first eliminated, where I thought he could have been, like, one of the survivors for SmackDown if they really wanted to, like, put up a fight. I mean, it's an actual competitive match for SmackDown. But, you know, this is definitely better than the women's 5 on 5 that we'll get to later. Uh, but I have, I, but we're always wanting to have a bit biased towards because our needs this are, we do, this is a fantasy draft, so I had that, uh, where we introduced this relegation. So it's between myself and David Campbell, who has appeared on the, show, on the program before in the retro review, between we were both battling to not be relegated almost in our fantasy draft. And it basically, he, one of his, person he was getting on most was Seth Rollins who was on his team. Like a good performance from Seth, like Seth eliminating a couple of people on Team Raw would have really saved him. Whereas I had Seamus on my team. Didn't want Seamus, but I lost out a couple of people I did want and I was put on the spot. But then, so literally the fact that Seamus, who's on my team, broke kicked Rollins and eliminated him. Like, literally I kicked, my guy kicked a Seamus guy in the face and with it broke all his hopes and dreams of not being relegated to I was a bit biased towards that moment, but even outside of that, I, I like the idea of Seth sacrificing himself. You know, he doesn't care about the team. He has a whole higher agenda, the greater good, and especially given that he is going away, so it's a good way of writing him out. And I, like, because I think Messiah Rollins has been the best Rollins, like ever since the end of the initial Shield run. Like, up until, obviously, they dragged the arse out of that bloody Mysterio feud. But everything else, other than that, Messiah Rollins has been great. And uh, I think it's a good way to keep that going. And because of that, because I'd actually hate to see the end of this current version of Rollins. But yeah, like, from then onwards, you quickly see, like, oh God, they're not going for the shutout, are they? I mean, even when Jason was on his own, you couldn't have had Jason eliminate, like, Sheamus or Riddle or something like that. Like, a Luke win at least. I, mean, I like the way they set up for Keith Lee, kind of. Eliminating him, like catching him in like midair. Like, I really thought it was a missed opportunity to, like, because of that interaction with with Owens and Jay, where like he's taking coffee and Owens goes, 
why you're making a Roman's coffee now. That's what you can do. And then this match is it of uh, Kevin Owens challenging Roman Reigns for the Universal title, which I thought would have been a really good feud. But, you know, clearly, WWE doesn't give a shit about this. And it's like, we just put these raw tie-down matches together for the sake of it. I will say, with like, WWE, with this, with the two five on fives and the Street Profits match, they really overuse the whole, oh, someone's a tie-down, but this person doesn't know about it. God, like, you can tell on four fans the amount of times they use that trope throughout this night. It was like almost every time you turned around, you just had somebody else doing a sneak tag. And it's like, I, I get it. Maybe if you do it during the Raw versus SmackDown tag team match. But like in the five on five, you have two teams of guys who aren't normally in tag teams together. So like you would think that there's a way. I don't know. I always hate a clean sweep anyway. And I totally agree. I think Jey Uso definitely should have eliminated at least one person instead of like, I wouldn't have changed the, uh, the finish um, where he got caught uh, doing the frog splash or whatever, or the Uso splash or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, I wouldn't have changed that at all. I think that looked really good. Another big moment for, uh, for Keith um, and everything. And, you know, cause you don't want to forget about him and whatnot. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. No, you, you don't, you don't, you just don't. Um, I wouldn't have changed the finish, but I definitely think that um, Jay could have eliminated, like you said, Sheamus. Uh, maybe not Riddle because he's still like the fresh new toy or whatever. I like how during Riddle's entrance, he gets a slow motion replay of him kicking his sandals off. Um, <laughs> that was something that shined brightly to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't have had it uh, be this, though. I mean... Uh, Braun was the guy who sort of ruined the last few um, Survivor Series yeah. matches for me. Mm. Uh, and just continuing to have him in these things when you obviously don't have anything else for him to do, when it's not looking like he's a landscaper or whatever the fuck that like shirt and pants combination was for a while. Oh, let's see, I was watching this with my brother and let's just sit like, like, why is he wearing gardening gloves to the ring? Like, what is it? Like, and he's got a train part of his, like, entrance theme. And no one's explained to me what this is meant to be. And, yeah, I, I totally get it. Because, like, Braun Strowman ruined Survivor Series matches. Because suddenly, even though other times of the year, suddenly this monster suddenly becomes vulnerable to, like, beatdowns. Suddenly at Survivor Series, he's overpowered and nothing can touch him. And suddenly this power slam is the greatest finishing move of all time. Because it just eliminates entire teams. So, like, yeah, like you, you need to stop this with with Braun. Like you know, like how do you stop Braun from like James Ellsworth was able to hold his leg and get him carried out in twenty sixteen? You're telling me like Kevin Owens and Otis and like some of the other guys he's eliminated over the last couple of years can't stop him, but James Ellsworth can. Yeah, for real. Like even if they had made the the Rollins sacrifice like actually mean something, like where maybe he rolls to the outside of the ring and he eliminates Braun or something to like, to make it like SmackDown actually fucking matters. But again, lol raw wins. So we move on. Yeah. I mean, I'll say like, yeah, at least one person in a row should have been eliminated. And I think in hindsight, this would have been fun that I've seen someone online pitch the idea, like, like, cause like team raw has been like having like dissension 
massive leak, which apparently led to nothing, given that they all like stayed intact somehow, and it didn't matter that they lost the retribution last week. Uh, somebody said, like, well, AJ Styles has been trying to like stop the dissension, so how good would it be if like AJ was the only guy eliminated and everybody else survived? Like, imagine like because like something's still going on between Roman and Jay, and I'm enjoying that storyline. But can you imagine like? somehow some fluke like small package AJ Styles gets eliminated by Jey Uso because like you know AJ and Kefi would sell that just like I'm going like no no, I'm the captain like no you can't eliminate me and just like I'm like refusing to leave and they have to be like dragged out him and his giant bodyguard whose name I can never remember I think they called him Omos O-M-O-S Osmosis Jones um but yeah, no, I mean, they could have at least gotten rid of one or two people from the other side. And I mean, fucking Braun Strowman coming back in after, for some reason, the rest of the team needed a little fucking powwow on the outside to discuss what the rest of their thing was long enough for Braun to saunter his way through to knock down like the remaining members of the team. Um, and then he turns into fucking Tony Robbins and is just like, we're all going to win this. We're all going to stick together as a team. That's just fucking what fucking what i don't know like this this is one of the first things that like really annoyed me uh tonight but before we get to all all the things that annoyed me one of the things that really made me happy during this um this lovely lovely pay-per-view that we got to watch was the street profits smackdown tag team champions taking on the new day kofi kingston and xavier woods with biggie they all came out in their gears five uh like armor and shit they looked really super cool but then biggie like disappeared um, we, right before the match, we cut to the back and, uh, the street profits are in the gorilla position and they cut, uh, and I'm talking both of them this time, Montez Ford and, and, uh, Angela Dawkins cut a fucking belter of a promo in the back. Mm. It felt real. Um, I remember getting to the end of the promo. I turned to my roommate who I was watching with and I was like, well, you can't fucking take anything away from them. these guys cut a fucking great promo. And that you could feel the enthusiasm. You could tell that they wanted to be there. Um, Montez Ford is going to be world champion sometime in the next couple of years. Guaranteed. Um, I mean, this promo was fantastic. And then they come out. Their entrance with the, the, the cups. When the cups start flying down on them is like my favorite thing. Um, and then the theme is amazing. And then they get in the ring. And you can tell that the... This is like one of the few times I think Babyface versus Babyface worked. They both got in the ring. There's a little bit of a feeling out process, a little bit of, you know, smack talking between the two of between the two teams. And then they just have this fucking incredible match that goes about 13 and a half minutes. Uh, and the right team won. The new guys coming in and the newer guys coming in the Street Profits, they get the win in a hard fought battle over the New Day. Um I literally could go on all day about the stuff I loved about this match. Um, it was just, it was stellar. Uh, I can't really say anything more than that at the moment. Uh, Scott, uh, please tell me that you uh, shared in my joy uh, of this wonderful tag team contest between the New Day and the Street Profits. Oh, yeah. One of the best matches of the night. Because, like, part of me did think New Day before he did the predictions was doing this, but, you know, yeah, I, I I came around to like you guys like thinking and went yeah well, let's go with the street profits and like New Day like nobody really wants to see the New Day go heel even though their best run like started with them as heels 
but they kind of played the de facto heels the way they were kind of working over Montez. They did the thing where Kofi was like laying back on the apron with a red still woke up, like in full view of Montez, kind of taunting them a little bit. And so like, they can still play like entertaining heels. And basically, they're like, they're like, well, we're the veterans. We're like multiple time tag team champions. You know, you guys are still fairly new. And so like, they got kind of overconfident coming in the years, like the years of years five here. And yeah, but the promo back to like, they needed a promo like that because, like, after the uh, the drawn out Viking Raiders thing, which I hated, and then this, the thing with Garza and Andrade, which seemed to go nowhere and went round and round, and like, oh God, please end. I got to a point where a bit classic champions were like, do I even like the Street Profits anymore? And then they got, George imagine, and basically them and the dudes went, oh, look. We're on the blue show. Let us have the blue belts. Now you take the red belts. We'll just do a little swap. You know, as if the belts are fucking wide that you bring to a house party. And, <laughs> and like, oh, you guys are now triple crown champions. Yeah, but you didn't earn them. You got handed them because you're on a different show now. So, annoying. So, like, they needed a, a promo like this. They needed a match like this. And then, like, the closing sequences were like, you could have easily seen it go either way. And like I don't think the new guy got all of like the midnight hour, which you know, which is why like you're not annoyed when I think Montez kicked out of it, because like they even said on comedy that's usually Biggie and Kofi doing it, because it's partly part of the big ending, which is Biggie's signature move, whereas it's different that like, Xavier's doing it, so it's not devaluing that tag team move and uh, that move that uh, the move with a back electric chair with the blockbuster. Like, I think we've seen variations of a move like that done by other tag teams. And, like, as much as I like the sit out, like, the sit out along with the frog splash because, like, how high Ford gets, that move that they used to win this match, I think they need to switch it up. That should be their, their tag finisher going forward. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the uh, the finish uh, uh, of the match and everything. Um, I'm glad that you brought up the, uh, the, the, the big ending version of the Midnight Hour and everything. I don't see how having somebody on your shoulder and then dropping them would be different if it were Big E and if it were Xavier. So I get I, that kind of didn't make sense to me on commentary at the time. And I mean, listen, I'm speaking at, I hate to keep bringing this up, but I work in professional wrestling. That would not have been something I would have said, because if if the if the move was sort of like, um, he actually slammed him rather than just dropping with him. I could see that maybe the power difference of mm-hmm. Biggie and Xavier could even in kayfabe make sense. But this, ju- it, the, the rationale that commentary put out just sort of didn't make sense to me. Um, it could just be, Hey, Montez kicked out of a finisher. Cool. Because new, new day has been a team for what? Eight years at this point or whatever, five, six years, maybe. And, they have other finishers. They have a long enough track record. Just make it that Montez is very athletic and very, you know, tenacious. And he was able to kick out of a move, you know, and then they had to dig deep into their toy chest to sort of, uh, you know, take a tag team finisher from an AEW tag team that will be um, re- that will remain nameless uh, <laughs> for the purposes of this podcast to win the match. I, I do think that. The new day need a new like this version of with Kofi and Woods need a new tag finisher and don't like do the one that you usually do with Big E because it doesn't really look the same and eventually they'll do like a Ross Matt doing like cool brand show where the new day get back together and then you so you want to save them doing that move again with Big E like for that moment 
and I'm pretty sure like they've got all the moves they could do together. It's like these seven have kind of differentiate this partnership from like when it's Woods and Biggie or Kofi and Biggie. Because like, I'm pretty sure they've got a version where like Kofi does like trouble on Paris and then Woods does like that thing where he walks along the top rope and then does the elbow drop. Like that's a cool looking move, especially with like with Woods is able to balance on the top rope. Like get start trying to get that over as your main like tag finisher. Do something different than just basically doing the Big E version of the tag move that you've used in the past. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, remember, I think it was a couple of years ago where they actually started making that like a thing where it's like, oh, this is the loadout that they've chosen for this match. It's either Big E and Kofi or Kofi and uh, Xavier or whatever the, the, the difference was, and they would change the way that they wrestled. And this version of the New Day is starting to smell a little bit like a nostalgia run a little bit for me, but I still think that they should be blending the tag team divisions anyway. Like, they shouldn't have two tag belts when there are literally, like, fucking three teams across both shows. Like, Well, well, there, well, there, are, there, well there are now, because they can fucking keep breaking them up or people get injured playing Viking Raiders. Uh, out. You got they split up heavy machinery, Rollins and Murphy, Andrade and Garza. You know, like who's left? Cesaro and Shinsuke. Also, Shinsuke was in the Battle Royal. Where the fuck was Cesaro? That's another guy. Cesaro wasn't on this show. Big E was only there for like forty seconds, so he could be in the the gear for gear for the Gears Five uh, armor and stuff. Murphy, Murphy, I think. Like, I, this is also, before we seen the moment where Ron sacrificed himself, which I actually liked, I honestly thought when Murphy beat Rollins on SmackDown, he should have, in the process, gotten Rollins a spot, given that Rollins was going away. Because he kept banging over like the fact that Murphy beat Rollins on SmackDown. The biggest win of Murphy's career and his reward, appearing on the pre-show Battle Royal. And he gets to not come out himself, he comes out with Dominic and Ray to raise music. Like, well, you're surely in the end line for a big push, aren't you, mate? Yeah, for real, for real. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, I, this this match was so I mean, it was a little shaky at the beginning. I, I mean, if I have to nitpick, mm-hmm. it was a little shaky at the beginning. It sort of looked like Montez and uh, Kofi didn't know how to work with each other as well um, at the very beginning. But they quickly moved right through that and were able to have an absolutely stellar match. And I thought that there was no way that uh, they were going to be able to uh, top this match. But, oh boy, was I wrong. Uh, but we will get there. Uh, next up is the mid-card championships, uh, champion versus champion singles match, where Bobby Trashley, the Raw United States champion, uh, with MVP Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, the Hurt Business, taking on Sami Zayn, all by his lonesome, uh, the uh, Intercontinental champion. Um, and in about seven minutes and 50 seconds, Sami Zayn is defeated uh, with the the Hurt Lock uh, because, as I said at the beginning, fucking Retribution just decides that their revolution is only going to take place on Mondays between the hours of 8 and 11, and that's it. And they can't to fucking show up and fuck with the Hurt business on pay-per-view or whatever. Uh, It's just... I mean, okay, Sammy's a great heel and he was able to, you know, set himself up and, you know, trip over his own feet and uh, he trips over MVP's foot up going up the ramp and he's just like, hey, he tripped me. That should be a DQ. That was funny and stuff. But honestly, like this was more of the same 
from their 2016 feud. Sammy is never going to beat Lashley uh, without assistance, I guess. But I mean, I I wanted Sammy to win. I'll take the fucking bullet for that. I thought maybe that they were going to actually start using retribution on pay-per-view and there was going to be some shenanigans and Sammy was going to get the roll up. But no, to keener, more clear thinking uh, wrestling minds, um, you know, uh, our opponents in this predictions contest, notwithstanding um, that we, we 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 thought with our hearts and uh, Sami Zayn is the the light of my heart. So uh, unfortunately, he lost here. It was whatever to me. Uh, this match was just, I guess, the way that you would think that it was going to go uh, in an unimaginative uh, big four pay-per-view match. Um, what did you think of the uh, the mid-card champions squaring off here at Survivor Series? I think I, I kind of convinced myself that somehow Sammy would win. You know, like they'd have some sort of create create offense where he kind of trick one of the heart business members and kind of hitting them so he could get DQ or try and annoy Lashley so much that Lashley gets DQ because you know one of my weird weirdly one of my favorite match finishes uh, was like when Christian won the world title by DQ he just annoyed Randy so much and spat in his face that Randy just kicked him in the kicked him in the balls. And then immediately realized, like, oh shit, I've lost my title by DQ because that was part of the stipulation. Uh, so I, I thought we could do something like that with Sammy. And, you know, on TV, only one of these matches, these Brad B. Brown matches, had a real build. And it was probably Drew versus Roman. Everything else kind of was just thrown together and say, oh yeah, Raw, SmackDown. Whereas, like, this one, I think, had the second most build. And none of it was really on TV. They occasionally mentioned each other. Most of this happened on bloody Twitter. With Sammy basically say like I'm the champion of all continents of all countries, and like you just represent one country, you represent the United States, and like my favorite one like being Sammy on Twitter going like, no, Bobby, let's let's try and be more civil, let's try and complimenting each other rather than tearing each other down. I'll start. You're very jacked, and then Lashley responds saying like, yeah, and you're very nimble and light on your feet, which means it'll be easier to ragdoll you, and then Sammy says. Ah, an act of kindness met with an act of aggression. I would expect nothing less from the champion of the United States. <laughs> Did you see that thing where he he put up um, the T-shirt that had all the co-branded matches except for him and Bobby Lashley? And he, like, theorized what that conversation would look like with Vince. No. Let me see. Let me see if I can pull this up. This is going to be fantastic radio. So I'm <laughs> going to you know, talk while I'm typing into Twitter and I am scrolling feverishly, uh, scrolling. The, there was one where it was uh, a picture of Lashley and a picture of Zane and he retweets it and it says, uh, for the love of God, could you use a less terrifying picture of him? And it's like <laughs> Bobby Lashley with like the, the fucking, uh, the, the lenses What's in that? his eyes. Okay. So this is what he yeah. says. He puts up a, a t-shirt that uh, has uh, Roman and Drew, Asuka and Sasha, and then the tag team titles, but not the mid-card titles on there with him and Bobby Lashley. And he, he just writes, Vince, all right, start with the important stuff. Yes, man, number one. Well, sir, quarterly earnings have, ex- have exceeded all. Vince, no, priorities, damn it. Yes, man, too. Well, sir, it's getting a bit harder, but our teams have found yet another way to disrespect Sami Zayn. Vin- Vince, ha, 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 yes, what you got? And then just the picture of the shirt. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Give this man the world. Definitely. Uh, I mean, the match wasn't 
terrible, you know, I was waiting for something to happen, you know, for Sammy to get something like creative and like uh, one every now and then it looks like he's get like the odd count out win. But then again, like our business while they're very entertaining, uh, it's been weird because they started off as a heel group, like Cedric joined them by betraying Ricochet and that. Then they stood up to retribution, which you think wouldn't that make them faces? And then they're all out here while Sammy Zayn, the guy who's also being portrayed as a heel, is now there fighting them four on one, basically. And they're basically all standing there, they basically getting his face when he tries to get to the outside. He's like, what is, what is with this? He's like, you know, you had the face-to-face thing which you were able to handle well, whereas you had your heel versus, basically it was heel versus heel, question mark, because I'm still not sure if the Hurt Business are good guys or not. They're, they're sort of more like they're good guys when Retribution is around because, like, the Hurt Business seem to be the only people who, like, take Retribution even somewhat seriously. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they should be taken seriously at all. I mean, really, uh, Mustafa Ali is... And yes, ladies and gentlemen, for the last fucking time, it's Mustafa. It's always been Mustafa. Um, but that's besides the point. Ali is actually getting wins. He's won twice in a row, but everyone else is shit around him so i don't know what that really means uh the hurt business has been okay since they came in and everything but i don't know like i said this match it should have gone maybe a little longer um and maybe sammy can stop because sammy is still a very very good professional wrestler you wouldn't know that by the way that he gets used on television because they let him talk a lot which he is also very good at but I don't know. I I want to see more good wrestler Sami Zayn, especially when he actually has the Intercontinental title. You know, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, think, would... I think that what both of these guys I think are missing from their title reigns is like a, an actual definitive like feud where they can actually have decent matches, especially Sami with this like the workhorse title that he's got, where he could actually have a proper match. You know, like. I think they've been teased the things having Daniel Bryan, like where where's that? Is that ever gonna happen? And then like lastly you had the you had a rematch against Apollo because oh it's Clash of Champions, every title must be on the line. And it's just been all like retribution he defended the title against Slapjack in three minutes. But he's yet to have a real definitive feud and I really think he should like maybe like someone like Keith Lee, maybe I think a Keith Lee Bobby Lashley program could be like great. But like I think because these two are just like, oh, you're, these are the guys holding the, holding on to the mid card belts. They've not done much with them, but here. And then obviously what you didn't want to happen, but the inevitable happened where big man Bobby Lashley eventually just ragged up Sami Zayn with the hurt locker. Yeah, I, I and he was in it for all of like six seconds, and then the referee was like, he's out, he's out, he's out. Whatever, you know. I mean, Sammy was up fourteen seconds later, complaining that he shouldn't have lost. Um, and then they celebrated and I don't know, we move on. Uh, I don't really have much else to talk about, about this match. Uh, getting back to the good things, the, you know, what felt like what was probably going to be the last good thing, but luckily it wasn't, uh, Sasha Banks taking on Asuka champion versus champion women's match goes about 13 minutes and, uh, Sasha actually gets the win here. Um, Twitter told me something that a uh, commentary didn't bother mentioning that they were two and two 
going into this uh, this match uh, for the year. And this was sort of like the rubber match between them. And Sasha came out first off looking fucking fantastic. Sasha Banks. Good golly, (laughs) Miss Molly. Uh, Not only did she have a great match, but she looked fantastic doing it. Asuka was on point here. These women came out with a with a point to prove Uh, this match again could have gone another five minutes and I would have been all for it. These are two of the best women's wrestlers on the face of the planet. And they had an absolutely fantastic match. Um, But before I ask you about the match, while we're on the subject of one Sasha Banks, uh, you have had a chance to watch her episode of The Mandalorian. (laughs) And um, I'd like to get your thoughts on that episode real quick. If you guys don't mind, we'd like to talk a little Star Wars. Um, (laughs) But yeah, what did you think of uh, her appearance on uh, last week's? Because now... Uh, the fourth episode of the season has uh, come out and we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Sasha Banks' appearance in last week's episode. So what'd you think of Sasha Banks on the Mandalorian? I really, I really enjoyed it. I really liked the episode that she was a part of, not just for her, but just overall as an episode. It's like the best one of season two uh, so far. Cause I really hated episode two. Cause I like, you've only got eight episodes. Stop wasting time with this frog lady. Get onto the good stuff. And so episode three was a big improvement. I thought Baby Yoda was going to die before Sasha and, and Kay Sackoff with our astronomer from Power Rangers in space haircut. I don't kill off Baby Yoda. And then, oh, and like, I think they really did well to like this during people because they had like the, the audio from last season talking about Jedi when you saw Sasha in the trailer. So everybody assumed going into it, oh, Sasha's a Jedi, Sasha's a Jedi. But actually, she's technically a Mandalorian as well. And like, she didn't actually get to save much, but I think she did. I think she did pretty well. And it's weird. I watched her a bit of her on the bump, and she basically said that she got a DM from somebody who basically said that John Favreau wanted to talk to her about coming on the show based on her appearance in Hot Ones. Yeah, yeah. It's not the six years she's been in WWE uh, and all the performances she's given there. No. It's based around her eating hot wings on a YouTube show. Yeah, because like I remember Edge even said that his retirement speech got him the call from the producers of Haven, and that led to his audition and then his part on that show. I mean, good lord! I mean, it just shows how little people pay attention to wrestling. But um, I think. The, the good thing about Sasha on this episode of The Mandalorian was that she was so stoic uh, and sort of like was using she was able to act more with her face and with her body uh, rather than uh, be able to speak. And uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed the episode. I did fear for Baby Yoda's life uh, because I love that little child. I love that child so much. And anytime he is in danger, a uh, little piece of me dies on the inside. Um, I know a lot of people wanted to complain about him eating the eggs or whatever. Let's be real here. Those eggs were not fertilized. First of all, so he's not murdering anything Two, he's an alien. Um, and weird aliens across the star Wars universe eat weird shit all the time. I'm looking at you. Jawas. Yaga, yaga. Waga, waga. Okay. And, and, and thirdly, he's fictional. As yeah. are the eggs, as are the yeah. species like of weird half frog, half human these things that they come from, wherever they are. Like 
And also, I thought it was interesting about Sasha is that she's not credited as Sasha Banks because it depends, like when wrestlers appear on TV shows, whether or not she's credited as a, a real name. And you got to think she's looking at opportunities outside of wrestling, and with the whole thing going on about WWE owning like stuff that people do using their WWE names and that Twitch and shit like that, that she's like rightfully went like I want to be credited as me but now because like. I don't think she like wants to get accused of, like, oh, she's using her WWE name to, like, as a platform. So, like, no, I'm just getting credited as myself. Yeah, yeah. And I think her, uh, the picture that she took of herself next to her television where her name was up on the screen uh, during the credits at the end was so adorable. She just, she's such a dork. And it's so nice to see someone who is talented and is able to branch out. And she obviously had a really good time uh, filming the episode. It was a great episode that she got to be a part of. Uh, it really built uh, for the future, uh, for the long-term story effects of what is going on in the Mandalorian. Um, and if you guys haven't checked it out, uh, go and, you know, get Disney plus and watch the Mandalorian. Cause if you're not watching it, you're dumb. It's probably the best show that's on right now. I absolutely love it. I know you do as well, Scott, but let's get back yeah. to the match. Well, I, will, I will say it's one of the few shows I don't really like binge watch and I actually take the time to watch weekly, which I don't do a lot of anymore. And like I said, that, that Sasha's episode was the best like one so far. I have a feeling this Friday's one's going to top it. You know, it's titled The Jedi and Ahsoka's probably going to be in it and I can't wait for that. Oh, dude. Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano. Oh, I can't wait. I just can't wait. This season has been so fucking spectacular and everything that they were able to do. It has become appointment viewing for me, which is not easy to do in this like on demand sort of world we live in. Like it's me and my roommates sit down once we're all home from work on Friday and we wait to watch it as a group and watch every episode um, sort of a mystery science theater 3000 it. A little bit and talk shit and and whatever. And it's it's been a long time since uh, like I've had a show where it's become appointment viewing. Uh, Lost was like that for me for a long time. But we have plenty of time to talk about TV shows and whatnot on other shows. But right now we're here to talk about the um, the women's the champion versus champion women's match on Survivor Series. So uh, this match was awesome. Uh, I thought that the finish of this match was unfucking believable the way that sh- they were able to spin into the roll up i really wish that they would have shown another angle on it because they only showed that one angle from like behind and you can't exactly see how sasha did what she did because i really just as like a wrestling nerd i would really love to see like a clearer image of what she did in that thing just cuz i'd love to be able to point at it at like shows when we're able to start running shows again by the way if if the person uh who uh got our show canceled over the weekend is listening i have a bone to pick here scott i'm sorry i have to just get this out if you are listening if you are listening to this and you are a fan of pro wrestling magic thank you very much but our show got canceled uh on saturday which was supposed to be one of our biggest shows by some fucking prick who we were well within the fucking guidelines Uh, set up by the state. We were under 25% capacity. We had set this whole thing up. If, if you were listening to this and you got our show canceled, know that I'm coming for you. And much, much like I said earlier, my vengeance will be swift and painful, much like gazpacho 
with broken glass in it. Anyway. I mean, that, that sucks for you, man, that you didn't get to do show. Like you said, you guys were within the guidelines, whereas, uh, you know, fucking, well, ICW gets to announce that they're, like, running new episodes of their show on the fucking network from secret tapings that they didn't adhere to the guidelines from what I heard, you know, and a company that hasn't apologized for the pieces of shit that they let run wild, you know, under their watch, you know. There's no justice mm-hmm. in the wrestling world. There really isn't. There really isn't. So uh, if you are a fan of uh, Pro Wrestling Magic, just make sure to pay attention to our socials. Uh, we're going to try and get some stuff out to you as soon as humanly possible. I know I know. personally I'm going to be working on a couple of things. So hopefully we get some stuff together for you guys soon. Uh, we were really looking forward to being on Fight. Um, and that's still going to happen. We just don't know when and in what capacity. Uh, so pay attention to that. But uh, anyway... Your thoughts on the uh, the women's match here between Asuka and Sasha Banks? Uh, first off, I will say uh, anyone who is a fan of ICW who didn't like what I did, my comments just then, uh, I would say that you direct your comments to the usual place of at Ben underscore EBRT. And I'm sure I'll, I'll wait with Peter breath for his turn to pass it along. But what you're talking about, buddy, people who are allergic to appearing on pay-per-view, like, Part of my reasoning about Asuka winning is, you know, Carmella has attacked like Sasha for the past like two weeks, and he apparently he Sasha, but not enough to get involved at Survivor Apparently, she's too loyal to SmackDown to let her her feelings get in the way and cloud her judgment. So yeah, again, this is one where I kind of had to take the blame for that one. But yeah, it was like I looked up later on that it was like thirteen minutes this match went. It didn't feel like it. I could have watched it go longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Asuka and Sasha which is one of like, the highlights of SummerSlam and it was one of the highlights of, of this show along with the Street Profits match and like the roll-ups it, like, they did quite a few roll-ups so this, the finish kind of fell out of nowhere but I think it's maybe like, a good thing I mean it was a bit slow crushing that by this point I realised like we can't come back from this game because I think we like the best we could hope for is a final five that we tied which we didn't like, even then if we did tie I don't know Unless Bailey survived, we wouldn't have been able to win on tiebreaker. So it was at this point that I realized all was lost. But, you know, well done. Well done, Sasha. You know, congratulations on your Mandalorian role and, and all that. But I just assume that because Sasha seems to have a lot more coming out of this with a feed with Carmel and everything, whereas Asuka has really not been doing anything recently. I thought Asuka could have done with it more. But, you know, apparently I'm not an expert on like, who needs to win what matches like more. Because well, this this peer review proves that. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, I mean, there. This is one of the few uh, examples where uh, I definitely could have watched this match go uh, a lot longer. Um, because uh, the the match we're going to talk about next went way too fucking long. Uh, just went uh, an unbelievable amount of time. But like I said, the the. Uh, the finish of this match, I would have loved to see another angle on it. Um, and I could just watch these two women wrestle a hundred more times. I really could. And I know I say that now, but when they've wrestled each other three or four more times, I'm going to be begging them to stop letting them wrestle. Um, but right now, like, yeah. like... I remember like when, I think you may be the same, but when this match was announced, when announced like, the initial like Jammy v. Jammy match, this was the one I was most excited about, even though we kind of got it quite a few times over the summer. I was still like, excited for it, and I think it did live up to the hype, even if like, I'd like to see it go for a bit longer. Yeah, of the matches, I this was the um, 
this was like the safe bet as like it was going to be fucking good because like as good as the Street Profits and the New Day are, sometimes people just don't mesh. I mean, we saw AJ Styles and Kevin Owens have a very meh title feud for the U.S. title in 2017. You know, sometimes styles just don't clash the right way and you have two really good wrestlers. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I didn't know if you were intentionally. Sometimes styles don't clash. I thought that was intentional. Never mind. Oh, no, no, no. No, 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 no. That that it wasn't intentional, but I do appreciate the credit. Um, but and I'll take I'll take it all. I mean, I'm in a I, I'm definitely in a place where I will take some credit for some good things right now. Um, but so before we move on, I will say like I know a lot of people wanted NXT as part of this year, and yeah, including Io Shirai's match probably would have even made it even more of like a match of the year contender. I think one person who should be really happy right now is that they didn't include NXT in this year's Survivor Series is probably Leon Ruff, the oh, new North American champion. Because you thought Sami Zayn got ragdolled up for a bastard would have went right, right through the roof of the Thunderdome. He would have been torn into multiple pieces and the Hurt Business would have just eaten him like jerky. Um, but, he's like, yeah. He's like, when he did that, apparently Triple H retweeted a gif of like him putting the belt around his waist, but then it fell. And Triple H basically went, that's why we don't call them belts anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, th- this match was like the safe bet in my opinion, because I was very excited for the tag match and I was very, very excited for uh, Roman and Drew. Uh, but like I said, there was like that air of will it work? Will it not work? Um, luckily, the main event absolutely fucking worked. Um, but this this I thought was the safe bet and it still managed to over deliver, um, which was nice because the next match. To say. OK. It gave you exactly what you thought it was going to be, but in the worst way possible. As Team Raw, Lacey Evans, Lana, Nia Jax, Peyton Royce, and Shayna Baszler took on and defeated Team SmackDown, Bailey, Bianca Belair, uh, Liv Morgan, Natalia, and Ruby Riot in 23 minutes and 20 seconds. 23 minutes and 20 seconds. Why on God's green earth, did this match need to be 20 fucking... Before we even get into the match, Scott, I have a question for you. Why why in the fuck did this match need to be almost 25 minutes? I don't know. It was too long. It wasn't even the longest match in the show somehow. You know, Drew Roman was apparently 24 minutes. You know? And, oh, this went... I, I aged during this match by multiple years. And getting on to the match, uh, like first off, I did, I did think it was sort of brilliant how they had Lana become the sole survivor. It did make uh, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler look stupid. Uh, even if you do want to get Shayna disqualified the way that she did fine, cool, whatever. Uh, but Bianca not being the sole survivor and winning here is a travesty. I absolutely think Bianca should have won the match. Um, In wrestling, no one deserves anything. But I think that as far as looking to book a strong women's division, which should be paramount in every uh, wrestling corporation right now, I'm looking at indies, I'm looking at AEW, I'm looking at NXT, and... WWE, everybody across the board should be trying to focus on the women's division more to get the stigma 
of old women's wrestling off. But when you do this type of shit where it's a payoff to a joke that as far from conversations I've had with people, uh, my wrestling friends who are younger than me, older than me, work in the business uh, alongside me, no one seems to get why Naya and Shayna are just bullying this poor girl. And don't get me wrong. I have very little sympathy for Lana. She's she's dog shit in the ring. OK, but the woman's trying. She suffers with depression and they have her standing on the stairs. Practically in tears as she's getting screamed at on pay-per-view for what you put the fucking woman through a table nine goddamn times just so she becomes the sole survivor at the end. Like taking out my my bias about whether or not we won or lost the predictions context uh, contest, because at this point, as you said, Scott, we had well lost already. We were already done. Leave the fucking poor girl alone. Like let her sink or swim. Don't put her in this situation where she has no one backing her up. OK, she's getting screamed and yelled at and belittled and then put through a table every week. And then you have her become the sole survivor and then not put through a table at the end. So even if you wanted to continue going that way with it and where is this going to go? Naya versus Lana at TLC in a tables match. Who the fuck wants to see that? I mean, nothing about this is nothing about this entire match was okay. The only thing that I thought was decent from this was the way that Bailey got eliminated. The way Bailey got eliminated, so like there could be like a story that they're possibly telling with Bailey about how she lost the title. Now she's not, you know, she's like not able to be the same performer because she doesn't have the title anymore because she doesn't know who she is, blah, 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 whatever. It's the only thing coming out of this whole match. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Maybe that could go somewhere. This whole thing with Lana and everything, why didn't they lose? Why didn't Bianca like win for Team SmackDown when you have Lana tagging herself in and Shayna and Nia bullying her and there's dissension on the other team. But yet Team SmackDown, who was a team, they all were rallied around Bailey. We saw that in the, the pre-show. We saw that on SmackDown on Friday, that they're all together as a team. You couldn't have SmackDown win this one. SmackDown won uh, almost nothing except for the Street Profits, I think. Just if, and Roman. Sasha, like, but even the Roman match didn't matter because mathematically, even though for some reason this year they weren't updating you know, what the score was between the two brands, it again shows they didn't give a fuck. Like, SmackDown mathematically already lost. So, like, again, like, there was no point if you're into the brand thing of caring about the Universal title versus the, the retail match. But can I give my, my thoughts on this Lana thing, please? Now, also that there was a WWE Chronicle being released like a day or like the day of the show about Lana. Maybe it should have been a warning sign, but I tried to avoid that. And yeah, in hindsight, maybe like I can get booking wise why like having the shittest member of your team do nothing but somehow survive everybody else and over the top like celebrate as Lana did. Like kind of makes sense, and I get that. And yeah. Lana, I don't want to shit on her too much because she does get a lot of negativity. You know, she's not off sometimes, like, she's not always the nicest person, but even then, like, a lot of abuse she gets, she doesn't deserve. Like, she talked about it, just a clip of her from her chronicle breaking down tears about how mean 
people are of her and like we, we all know that words like words that may not seem like much to you somebody else could fuck up their entirety i know that like for me sometimes even a lot of things i can change my whole attitude and my day's ruined because like i feel shit the rest of the day it happened a couple of days ago most recently you know it happens to everybody and i don't i wouldn't want to make light of whatever lana's gone through having said that as she is presented on television as a character, I couldn't give less of a fuck. Like, I don't care that you're the sole survivor. I don't care that Nia is being mean to you. Because, really, honestly, you probably shouldn't have been on the team to begin with. Like, and I don't care about you getting put at the table. It means, oh, you're going to put Nia at the table. Because that table match is going to be shit. It's going to end in some weird comedic finish. Like Big Show when he sits through a table, uh, and it's gonna be everyone's gonna hate it, and really, it's not gonna be worse than nine times at night that Lana got put through a table. If anything, like you should have taken Lana out, and then have her come back at the end when Bianca thinks she's won, like when Santino pops up at the end of the 2011 Royal Rumble, make her think she's gonna win, and then Bianca beats her because that's what should have happened. Because this team was a this Raw team was a joke. Uh, absolute joke. Other than what, like Naya and Shane, and this, this Naya, I won't take vaccinations because God made my immune system like, oh fuck off. Like, and smashing like Ruby Riot should have done a lot more. Lat- Natalia was clearly there to make up the numbers. Bailey, yeah, I can get what they were going for. Bianca Belair should have been sole survivor for for SmackDown. But quite honestly, Lana, I don't care about your character. Like, you're trying. Try- are you trying to make you babyface? Because you're not good at it. You're not. You don't come across inherently likable. Because despite your best efforts, you haven't improved in ring. You don't sound natural when you're speaking. You are an actress by trade, and yet you don't sound human when you're talking. You sound more authentic when you're playing a Russian, because you had a role, and you were good at it, and now you're outside that role, and it doesn't work. Because like, and the worst thing about it is this was 23 minutes long. They telegraphed. That Lana's going to be there from the beginning because they were shouting at her until I stay on the set. Like you're shouting at a dog that won't stay, and you're trying to leave them like, stay, stay, stay. And then you had people from SmackDown laughing at her. It was just this long, drawn out thing like, I know what's coming, I don't want it to happen. And then, like, even I had people ask me, was that botched when Bianca Villa didn't make the kick? Because some people for a second thought that Bianca Villa was making it back in the ring. So even then, to some people, your finish didn't even work. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Is that clear enough? Oh, yeah. I, I, listen, you, you pretty much wrapped up in a nice, neat little bow exactly the way I feel about it, the way I know that the people I was watching it with felt about it. Um, and again, it's not to diminish her real-life struggles and what she's going through. Everybody deals with their own shit. Everybody's got... Listen, I'm probably one of the most depressed people that I know. And I would never, you know, make light of that. I mean, Lana's a beautiful woman. Um, she's, she's gotten to a place in the biggest wrestling company, at least in the States, if not the world where she's on TV every week, but you know what? There are ways to make her character more likable. There are, there are ways and bullying her consistently for 
three months almost at this point is not the fucking way to do that. Okay. As a her, from a character standpoint, even if she was shit in the ring, why doesn't she have any friends? Why isn't Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan going like, hey, listen, what they're doing to you is awful or Lacey Evans or Peyton Royce or whatever the fucking case may be. There's a bunch of other women on that show who one of them has to be. And listen, I get it. They tried to do that with Natalia and them both being the BOTUS of all time or whatever the fuck, whatever dumb fucking thing. I don't even want to get into that. But like no one's going to stop in a place where in a company where they tell you to, quote, be a star, stop bullying all this bullshit. There's nobody, nobody in the fucking locker room. Where the fuck is Stephanie McMahon, the woman who created women's wrestling, for fuck's sake? Why isn't she coming out and going like, guys, you guys are champions. Why are you bullying this poor girl? Stop. Leave her alone. What? Where is fucking anybody? Oh, is it because her husband went to AEW and made fucking one comment about about the company? Fucking grow the fuck up. Pull your big pull your adult pants up and fucking just try booking a talent. Could that's what she is. She's a talent. And regardless of whether or not she does any of those things well, she is a talent. And take your talent as if all of them are Stone Cold Steve Austin or all of them are The Rock or all of them are The Undertaker. Treat them with care until they fuck up so bad that you have nothing left for them. And if the only thing that you have left for a character is to put her through a table and literally what you remember that fucking the, there was like a shot in the back of the the raw women's team and Lana was off to the side looking all dejected and sad while everybody was just screaming about how nobody tag her in and blah, 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 and stuff like that. Why is that entertaining? Where is the fucking joke in there? WWE be fucking better. Try practicing what you preach and not only when it's fucking Connor's cure month or whatever. Why don't you try acting like fucking adults and try booking your talents instead of, look, look, you can go back and look at the fucking Usos and Revival storyline. Oh, they shaved their backs and stuff. They're wrestlers. Everybody shaves everything. And then you guys put oil on in your underwear and you wrestle for fucking title belts. Like, stop with all this fucking childhood humor and stuff. Stop bullying the poor woman, uh, the character. Stop bullying the character. Or if you're going to have her be bullied, have her fucking stand up for herself. And make it something that's better than what you're putting out. And the fact that you had to sacrifice the entire Team SmackDown, which was a better team. Okay, yes, Natalia was there to take a pinfall. Duh, that's who she is. She's been there 12 years and she's still shite. Too bad. Like, sorry. Um, but Bianca, Bailey, fucking Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, they all deserved better than what this fucking match was. It was all at the expense of some joke nobody fucking gets other than Vince McMahon, who can't even get the name of his goddamn company right on pay-per-view. I'm done talking about this match. We're talking about the main event now. Fuck this match and fuck this joke and all that shit. Bruce Pritchard, get your fucking head out of Vince McMahon's ass. Somebody stand up to him and get this fucking over with. Over. I don't care that we didn't reach a number 10 on table spots. Fucking be done with it. I'm not saying to fucking put the title on her, but fucking be better. Be fucking better. Anyway. God, that make, ah, just makes me so angry. The main event, though, was an absolute fucking classic between Roman Reigns, the head of the table with Paul Heyman, 
taking on Drew McIntyre for the W, uh, not for any title, but the two of them together had a wonderful 25-minute match where not only did they beat the fuck out of one another, they had creative reversals. I was a little worried uh, after seeing um, actor Roman in like the last like couple matches that he's had that maybe we were going to get a lot of talking in this one again, but this was just a fight. These two guys murdered one another for a while. It was awesome. Um, this is match of the night, hands down. I don't think anybody can really argue with that um, at all. Um, I mean, Street Profits is number two for me, but uh, this this was just fantastic. This was another fantastic uh, outing from both of them. Nobody really lost anything here, and even the finish was absolutely fucking... It made so much sense, and ah, I could just talk about this match all night. Scott, what did you think of the main event? I thought the first third of the match was incredibly dull. Uh-huh. But it picked up from there. You know, we had the table spot, then you had goes through like the, the barricade behind the commentator's table, you know, that it all picked up from there, and it was fantastic up until, like you said, the finish. But the first, like, little portion of the match was incredibly dull, I thought. You know, I mean, these kept staring at each other for far too long. Let's see. My brother skipped two minutes ahead just as the, the bell was about to ring. And literally nothing had happened. They just kept staring at each other for almost two long minutes. Like, fucking do something. And, like, it feels weird to see Drew being the one to seem vulnerable and get, like, worked over. When you're taller than Roman, you're <laughs> six foot seven. I do not buy you as a baby face in peril. You know, you should just be two easy to batter each other, which they did towards the end. And, yeah, yeah, Jay coming out and like that's just why I felt confident in the prediction of like of Roman winning because it just made a lot more sense. I know Drew just won the belt back, but like I don't think it hurts either guy because they're basically clearly the two guys that WWE cares about most at the moment. And also with the inclusion of, of Jay's getting involved, uh, it shows that they're trying to protect Drew a little bit and lost. Because I even said to you guys and I stand by this, Roman should not lose cleanly or otherwise. Well, mainly cleanly, but he should not lose until he loses the belt. Like, you know, a lot of people complain when he's been pushed to face it, oh, he always wins, he wins all the time. Okay, I want that back, but now as he's a heel where it makes sense, keep him winning all of the time, whenever he does wrestle, which he doesn't do that often, which is smart, given he, like, his new role. Like, have him remain undefeated up until WrestleMania and to whoever you're going to make him lose the belt to, unless you're having him fight the Rocket Mania, in which he's have him win there, and then after WrestleMania, whoever he's going to lose the belt to, he loses cleanly because, like, that's how you build up a heel, and that's how you make somebody when they eventually topple that heel, whoever it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, that's definitely um, the line of thinking I would go with as well. Um, I definitely think that they have to be building to the match with The Rock. And obviously you don't want The Rock to come in and win the belt just to drop it or whatever. So I would think that maybe Big E is the guy who takes the belt from him in like May or June of like next year. And yeah, Roman should not be losing for any reason other than losing the belt. And now that Jay is finally on side with him and big matches like this, like to echo what you said, where these guys are definitely who the company cares about right now. Uh, 
I think that that's definitely part of it. Roman's doing really great stuff. Drew's been on fire since he originally won the belt uh, at WrestleMania uh, and everything. And you had like the biggest baby face in the company and the big top bad guy heel um, finally squaring off. And this match, these were not the same two guys who had that match at Stomping Ground or the same two guys had that match at Mania when um, Roman came back after his bout with uh, leukemia. These are two totally different characters. The way that they wrestle is slightly different as well. Uh, I bit for everything. I I was convinced at one point that maybe Drew was going to eke this out if he could hit him with a Claymore. Um, yeah, I mean, this match was just incredible. The two These two guys just went out there and it felt big. And I don't think that that was either totally on Roman or totally on Drew. I feel like these were the two top guys facing off and having a big time, you know, big style, big production main event. Like this, I think is the best main event in wrestling in 2020. I, I, I truthfully believe that. I mean, as, as far as big time pro wrestling on TV, pro wrestling goes, I think that you can't get bigger than Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. And even a year ago, six months ago, maybe even, I wouldn't have believed that. But uh, this match totally delivered on every single front. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I, just, I can't say enough good things about this match, Scott. It's just, it, I really, yeah, the, first, the, the beginning was a little slow. The first third of the match was a little slower. Um, but I think that overall, I think that that played into... When you have a 30, like 25 to 30 minute match, that's tip. You want that slow build. And I think, yes, at the time I was like, okay, stop fucking staring at each other. It was getting very aggressively sexual where they would be in each other's faces and either punch or kiss. Just do something. Yeah. Start slamming each other around. Start like start getting slapped in the face or something. Call call the other person daddy if you're going to get rough. I mean, Jesus Christ, like do fucking something. Um, but then I think overall it ended up playing into the uh, main story of what the match was and the fact that Roman could not put Drew away. Drew hit the Claymore at one point, but the referee got knocked out of the ring, which I thought was that spot. Correct me. I mean, uh, disagree with me if you want, but I think that that spot actually worked out so perfectly. It was timed well. Roman hit the referee the right way. Uh, just Drew pinning him, getting a visual pinfall on Roman Reigns, but it wasn't. And that's what I think is a benefit of the Thunderdome, though, too, is that you didn't have the fans counting to like 11. Like the whole reason the person is not kicking out. And I know I've said this on podcasts before, so forgive me. But the the whole reason the person's not kicking out is because you're not hearing the person, the, the referee hit the mat. You're just going to lay there if you don't feel the need to kick out because you're not going to lose if you don't kick out. Anywho. Um, it drew had the match won, but because of his overzealousness and his desire to win, he, the Roman accidentally hit the referee or Roman intentionally hit the referee. So he wouldn't lose. Jay comes out, hits him with the super kick. He gets a low blow done on him. So I think drew comes out of this looking just as strong. Roman comes out the right, the, the right winner really. Um, and the show could have gone off the air here and I would have been happy. I mean, I'm sure you would have been just as happy. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Thinking about your thing about being the best thing about 2020 and like, like cinematic matches aside, I'm struggling to think of something that I could put up against this. 
I think you may actually be right. And uh, like I said, like Bertedu like drew it and lost because this could have gone either way because like, it makes a difference from the last time they've done Universal Champion v WWE Champion, which both times involved Brock, in which case you basically knew like to fight Daniel Bryan and you just tell so much fans love them. It's a case of WWE cares more about Brock, so and you knew immediately Brock was going to win. Whereas this one was basically like your basically your top SmackDown guy, your top face, your top peel, and then your top Raw guy and your top face. You know, like this could have gone either way, and they protected, you know, Drew with this because he kept going for the claim when he hit it, but then he couldn't capitalize because before Roman kept in like Superman punches. And yeah, for some reason, Wikipedia didn't say how long this next bit went. Probably because there's no accurate way of marriage, of, uh, of marriage doing something that goes on for this long. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so the main event was fantastic. And I really, really, really wished uh, that they had just sort of ended there. But unfortunately... The saddest display in all of professional wrestling took place right after that. The Undertaker retirement ceremony. Um, uh, I'm just going to read to you from the Wikipedia, if I may. In the show's final segment, Shane McMahon, The Big Show, John Bradshaw Layfield, Jeff Hardy, Mick Foley, The Godfather, The Godwins, De- uh, Dennis Knight and Mark Hanneberry, Savio Vega, fucking Savio Vega, Rikishi, Kevin Nash, Booker T, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, Triple H and Kane, the only person in gear, by the way, uh-huh. you know, um, all came out. A video package played that played earlier on the pre-show for some reason. Uh, and then Vince McMahon uh, came out uh, to deliver a brief message. You can see that he was upset, sort of that like his guy was done and stuff. And it, you know, it was whatever. At this point, I realized that this was just going to be sad but not in the way that they want. Like not, it wasn't choking me up or tugging at my heartstrings. This was sad because there are no fans. They had to pipe in old audio of fans chanting. Thank you, Taker. Um, Undertaker comes out. Um, the, the Paul Bearer uh, comes up on a hologram, which I thought was very touching. Uh, the, the, the bell told 10 times. Um, then Undertaker did the throat cut, the kneel, the, the all the he levitated at one point. He did the hand up in the air. Um, you know, he he says, rest in peace. Um, he leaves, uh, goes up the entrance way, turns back around, obviously very choked up that his career is ending. You can see in his eyes that he knows that this isn't the way that he wanted it to go. I'm sure that once WWE can have fans back in attendance, they'll do another sort of thing like this. Um, that will be to a lesser extent, I assume. Um, but I would be able to continue talking about this more effectively if it wasn't still going on, I'm sure, fucking somewhere. Because this felt like it took 300 years to finish. I'm sure for people who are diehard Undertaker fans, this was everything you wanted it to be in the situations that you could have, but uh, this was just fucking brutal. And I couldn't even imagine for you guys over in the UK, what time did this sort of start over in the UK? So, 
I believe the kickoff began at 11 p.m. So 12, so midnight is when the actual main show started. So this had to be what must have been going on three, maybe by this point. I can't remember how long in total the show went. It's it was three very, three hours twenty seven minutes was the main show. So it had to be like just after something after three a.m. going to like to close, getting close to three thirty in the morning, and then I through anxiety or like sweets and uh, fancy dress and the amount of caffeine I had, I I needed a come down period after the show went off air, so I didn't actually probably get sleep till at least five in the morning. So I was fucked for most of the day. Uh, so yeah, it was just I get what you're doing. You're drawing out the getting people, giving fans this full like experience because it may be the last time it ever happens. And like, I don't get why you had all these people come out. They play the package, go back up, and they're all gone. What was the point in bringing them in? What they didn't do anything? They weren't celebrating. They all just stood there. And somebody perfectly put on Twitter, "Okay, who rubbed Kane and told them we were all coming in full gear?" Did you just see Kane standing there? It's not even his best gear either. Or at least, at least the Godwins kind of met halfway and like wore their overalls and that. And like it was fun at first, you know, seeing people coming out, uh, like Rikishi, Godfather, and stuff like that. And then it just got like any old legend that at some point came across taking like Flair, Triple H, Michaels, and that. You know, I, I saw a meme comparing Shawn Michaels now to Old Man Marley from Home Alone, and now I can't unsee it. <laughs> and then yeah, yeah, see Vince who why does Vince look more like a puppet now as himself than his actual Vince puppet in the in the funhouse? Have you noticed this? Yeah, you know, he, weird face is looking now. Yeah, uh, Vince is looking a little 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 worse for wear. Yeah. And then also Taker I'm like, yeah, keep it short and sweet maybe, but I think after all the you know, you you would have thought you would have said something more than like what we what I actually said. Yeah, the Paul Bear hologram meant a lot because you know you recently had that mortician documentary, which if anyone hasn't seen it on the network, go go watch it. That'd it's fantastic. This, I still haven't watched the Brothers of Destruction documentary. I've been meaning to get around to it. Uh, then I remember that they I heard that they openly slate the 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 current jewel match, which I want to hear. Yeah, you guys think this is not how Taker wanted it, probably not how anybody would have wanted it. And like my brother perfectly summed up, like, of all the things that 2020 has robbed us of, this is probably one of the worst, at least for us as wrestling fans. Like, getting to see Undertaker make his like, final farewell, like, not in front of anybody, in front of a bunch of people on, like, bloody Zoom calls. Because, like, I know you wanted to sell the virus. 30 years to the day and everything, but you know, I, I forgot this was even happening half the time. Like, every now and then, just right, I'd remember this was still to come. Like, it, it was like they didn't know what they wanted to sell the virus on. Was it on the Antigua's farewell or was it on the brand rebrand? And it just depended on which day of the week it was. I think they would have been better off just leaving it. Like, eventually, they're going to have to induct the people that they said were going into all of Fame this year because, like, technically, they're not Hall of Famers yet because John Bradshaw Field keeps saying that. Oh, I'm a Hall of Fame elect. So, like, after this class is done, you got to think this class following that Taker's going to go in as the headliner. I'd I'd rather they just wait until Taker goes into the Hall of Fame and does this thing and basically announces, like, that is me. I'm I'm done. Because, like, I think a lot of people 
Cindy Lawson after the Bollinger match and after the last raid. And part of me thinks that the real reason that Vince was choked up is really him thinking like, my God, who am I going to put for the main event of the Saudi Arabia now? I've got eight more years on this deal. Uh, I, I mean, when they started getting to like Ric Flair and stuff and then more people were making entrances, I was just like, what the fuck? It's COVID time. Stop putting all these old men less than six feet apart from one another. And for what? They just fucking stood there. Um, and so as far as, as so far as John, more people. as far as John Bradshaw Layfield saying that he's a hall of fame elect, I'm still waiting for the recount on that <laughs> one. Uh, I refuse hashtag, not my hall of famer. Uh, use that on, on Twitter. If you're listening to this and let us know what you think. Um, but yeah, I mean, they just, there was, this just, this was so long and so boring. Nobody said anything of substance. Most of them didn't say anything at all. Um, I mean, if you want a good send off for the undertaker, watch any number of the fucking things that they put out this month leading up to survivor series. Uh, the mortician was fantastic. The brothers of destruction thing. I haven't watched it all, but from what I've seen of it, it's very good. Um, the one, the one last round with, uh, Stone Cold, the Stone Cold podcast with, uh, him and Undertaker on the network is fantastic, but this was just, I mean, they, they should have just ended the show after the main event and then put, it almost feels like they even filmed this at a separate time too. Like, I don't know. It just didn't feel like it even fucking belonged, you know, do it at the beginning of the show, you know, if anything, but I don't know. I mean. You had, you had Snake Room announcing it as if like, this is the Undertaker's farewell. Why are you ring announcing it as if it's an actual match or a thing that like, you're promoting? Like, like it, it just didn't feel natural, especially like including that. And I looked at like the eventual lineup. I liked that the Steve came to last, obviously. And I looked at the the lineup when they did like, a big wide shot of it. And like, I'm sure there are more people in the ring for this than there were for the Battle Royal earlier on. Yeah, the Battle Royal only had 18 people. There was like 460 in the ring for this fucking uh, Undertaker thing. And then nobody got a chance to say anything. They just were wheeled out there for no reason. There's a subject for our next Master Debaters. What was longer? Hillbilly Jim's Hall of Fame feature this segment. Oh, Hillbilly Jim is still going. <laughs> Somewhere he is. And I saw, I, I saw a lot of people not understand what the big electricity thing was um yeah this this screamed to me that one of vince's grandkids saw the video online of the two magnets the like the two electromagnets playing africa by toto and they were like we could do because people people didn't seem to understand this those magnets were producing those sounds it wasn't just some sort of like eight bit I saw some some people saying that it was like a Sega version of his theme. No, no, no. That was the electromagnets were playing his theme. That's for science nerds and stuff. They were probably like, ooh, yeah, look at all that fucking science, man. Fucking yeah. It was amazing that they were able to do that. Um, I think, I think this gets more evidence to you saying that this was probably filmed separately because I don't remember seeing those things at any other point in the show. There's only, there's only these giant like stilts appeared with these big magnets at the top of them like 
Like, where the hell did these come from? Who did you borrow these from? Fucking Zordon. <laughs> I thought it looked really cool for Taker's entrance. I thought it made Taker's entrance look like a fucking mid-90s Batman movie, which I thought was awesome. Um, fucking Joel Schumacher directed this fucking entrance, if you look at it. Um, yeah, but no, the, uh, the those, like, electromagnet things, they were there throughout the show. Like, I actually was wondering what they were until they were set up the way that they were supposed to be set up and stuff. Um, the, I mean, his entrance was super cool in the Thunderdome and he levitated until they showed the platform by mistake. Also, he kneeled and then just sat in the kneel for a a long time. And I know he's older. The part of me started, it got to the point where I'm like, can he not get back up? Is it (laughs) fucked again? I was very worried that he wasn't going to be able to stand back up there for a minute. Uh, and then nothing. We didn't get. <laughs> Vince, Vince, goddamn it, you're out here. Um, fucking, I, I actually almost would have preferred if the fiend came out and fucking like abducted him or something. Like, it's yeah, I get it that you want to you know send off the Undertaker and stuff, but like. He already had a send off at the Boneyard match. Then he had a whole documentary series. Then more documentaries. And knowing that you didn't have fans and stuff, why wasn't there something here? You know, why wasn't there something of substance or something here? And I know that everybody who's listening to this online, if you're an Undertaker fan, like a real diehard Undertaker fan, granted, I grew up with The Undertaker. I love The Undertaker. Undertaker was never my guy, though. And to see this whole sort of display that was very shakily put together, it looked like, as you said, they just didn't know what to do. So they did a little bit of like all the ideas, you know. Um, Yeah, I mean, I could have done without this. I think that it took the steam out of what was an incredible main event and sort of just it felt like a fucking it felt like if you were laying in bed next to your partner and as they drift off to sleep, they just let out a really long, hot fart under the blanket. And that just that's just what this felt like. It felt like WWE Dutch oven dust out of Survivor Series 2020. And like I was saying to Scott off off air uh, that this was a three match show. Absolutely was a three match show. The men's Survivor Series match, let Jay at least eliminate one fucking person. Obviously, make it better. Bianca should have won the women's five on five. The tag match was perfect the way that it was. Could have gone even longer. Sasha and Asuka, perfect the way that it was. Could have gone on even longer. And the main event was the perfect length, the perfect big match. Um, I think best main event since 2016 as far as um, Survivor Series go. Um, I don't know if you agree with me or not, Scott, but I think that as far as main events go that weren't um, that weren't Survivor Series matches, they were just one on ones. This uh, the main event of of this show was definitely um, definitely the uh, the best Survivor Series main event in years. Um, But let us know what you think. Whenever you're listening to this uh, rogue underscore opinion on the Twitter, uh, go to the Facebook page. Uh, just look up rogue opinions. You'll find us. 
um, and get in, get involved with the conversation. Um, Scott, why don't you let the, uh, the people know what we all have going on here, what you've got going on over in, uh, the rambling land of you and Paul's creation and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Scott1986. You can find Scott and Paul's round podcast at SV Rambling. Uh, we've got an out right now, uh, doing a lot of stuff with Fraser. Uh, we're going to get round to the latest episode of our Impact Recap series when we can uh, get actually around to it and set a date. And then we're continuing our In Your House series after that, In Your House 5. And we can finally get the fuck out of 1995, only for me to get dragged back into 1995 for this punishment. <laughs> but it's not me able, you know. Hey, this, this, this In Your House I'm going to get to shouldn't be too bad. It's got Phantom the Offer Taker, so it should be fun. <laughs> and uh, also at Suplex Retreat, as I said, I do it. At that fancy draft, I host a, a draft like recap show. It's called Saturday Draft Live. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We basically just talk about recap results as for an actual analyst show and basically big ourselves up. Also, we do a, a YouTube series called uh, Quiz Showdown, and the latest edition Quiz Showdown by the Quiz Powers Explodes uh, went up on Sunday. I I was the host this time around uh, for the quiz, so it's quite And we're also doing a series called Book It, where basically it's an eight-person fantasy booking tournament where basically people go one-on-one with each other and book a certain card from a, with a certain era of wrestlers under certain parameters and see who did the best card. Uh, so the episode went out a week or so ago, myself and my friend uh, Strack. We had to book a TNA pay-per-view using only the 2007 roster. You can see how, uh, how that went. And this Friday's latest episode is going up. It's, my, it's David Hockney and Ryan Gallagher going in one-on-one to book a, basically an NXT fantasy card. So... If you're a fan of NXT, you should probably enjoy that. It's going to be on Friday, 5 o'clock British time, I believe, on uh, Eat Sleep Suplex YouTube channel. Also, the Rogue Opinions is uh, at Rogue underscore Opinions. Uh, by now, the first part of the Royal Rumble 2000 review is up, and uh, so we're going to get around to doing part two myself, Sam, and Mike are going to do part two, which will be the Street Fight and the Rumble, because, well, we just talked so much. And, you know, <laughs> we got uh, Room 501, Batman Munich, and all sorts going on. Nathan's finally back doing the Naked Men podcast. Uh, Nathan probably won't be doing a lot of stuff talking about current WWE, but he will be back with us to do other stuff, you know, uh, like when we eventually do the Spanish podcast. But uh, I think I'm all plugged out. Jimmy, what have you got going on? Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. If you guys haven't gone back in the archives and checked out uh, the Survivor Series uh, cards that we created, uh, before this year's Survivor Series. Go check that out. It was a lot, a lot of fun. Nathan had a little too much fun and subjected us to reading lines from uh, a screenplay that he wrote. And if you want to hear the rest of that, go back in the archives and check out Create a Survivor Series pay-per-view. Um, uh, at Wrestling Magic on Twitter, as I said earlier, it's where you can find out everything that's going on with Pro Wrestling Magic as we try and figure out what we're going to be able to do uh, during these COVID times uh, when we're not getting reported on by the county. Uh, or church groups, you know who the fuck you are. Anywho, um, also uh, follow me on Twitter at Mr. Riot. That's M R R I zero T. I'm trying to be better at being on Twitter more. Uh, so hopefully I'll be talking about the new season of Animaniacs, which I love uh, a whole, whole bunch. Uh, and if you haven't checked that out, please do check out The Mandalorian if you want to see how Sasha Banks did. Um, and uh, what else? Oh, play the new Yakuza game. And find me over on uh, Xbox Live at uh, 
I think it's Mr. Riot, the icon with zeros instead of O's because Counter-Strike was a thing when I was a kid. Um, and that's pretty much it. We're Rogue underscore Opinion. This has been the Survivor Series 2020 recap. And for Scott, I'm Jim saying good night, everybody. This is the way. This is the way. Wakanda forever. <laughs>